Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. So the key verse for this series is Acts 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, there are things that God does for other people through our giving, and there are things that God does within us through properly motivated giving. And as I went through scripture and really kind of tried to outline givers and takers, I really saw more of an encouragement or an exhortation through the word, through the Bible, to be a giver and not necessarily denouncing being a taker. But I think that there was just so much more of an encouragement to be a giver that it clearly denotes that we are to be givers and not takers, to follow Jesus' lifestyle himself. So if I could ask you to pray with me also, I, I don't think that you can outpray God, you know, because the power of our prayer is not in us who pray it, but it's in him who hears it. So let's, let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we just lift up this message to you. I pray over all these people under the sound of my voice that you would soften their, art, soften their hearts, open their eyes, help them to see and hear and be willing to receive the seed that you have for them this morning. I thank you, Lord, that no one was brought here by accident and you have a specific message for each and every one of us, that it would change us, grow us, and nurture us to become more and more into your fullness and your image. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So givers and takers. I started kind of poking around on the internet to try to get, try to get an uh, outline established so we could all kind of be on the same page during the message. Sometimes I think it can be pretty easy to fall into the understanding that a giver or taker would have to do with something material or something tangible, but it's not always so. It can be something more of like a thought or a gesture or an intention of the heart that we can really give or take from a situation. And so I found a, just a little chart. That it was a pretty extensive list, and I just brought a couple of them here this morning to try to establish kind of a basis for us to all be on the same page. And it was on ministryhealth.net, and it was established by Thomas Fisher. So these are really his ideas. So for givers, these are going to be characteristic traits that I'm going to list off that he had listed for givers. Uh, they accept responsibility for, the, for their own behavior. They give gifts freely. They willingly submit to God's will. They're very reality-based. They use with what they have. Uh, things to them aren't necessarily that important. It's really more the people and the other people's welfare and well-being that is really motivating and driving to them. Uh, they're more typically to ask themselves questions like, why shouldn't I help? You know, they really just are looking for a way to fit in, to get involved, to help out people when, they, when they're in need. Ask themselves, you know, how is this going to, how can I best benefit other people from how I'm spending my life today? They're really about investing in people. And then on the contrast, taker, so I'm really just setting up a spectrum. I'm not necessarily always a black and white kind of guy. I'm more of like put a dot on a spectrum, but if I can get you the contrast, we'll meet somewhere in the middle and we'll try to help the Holy Spirit really help us to identify where we are and move closer to Christ's image and likeness. And so the takers, 
They project a lot of responsibility and blame on others. Uh, their giving typically has strings attached. You know, I'll do a favor for you if you do a favor for me type thing. Um, fantasy driven, they use a lot of if only statements. You know, if only this person would have come through to me. That goes back to kind of the, the blame game. You know, they're really kind of passing things on and the if only, if only I had this, then I would have been able to come through, but it's never really their problem. You know, they always pass it on. Uh, things are really important and they tend to be, or sometimes we all can tend to be externally driven. We, you know, we lose focus on things of the heart and the conditions that Jesus really spoke to and addressed and we start focusing on things of the world, material things, things like that. We start asking ourselves questions or the takers do why should I help? And they ask her, you know, what's in it for me? You know, how is this really going to benefit me? They're really willing to invest in themselves, but not always willing to invest in the lives of other peoples. Because sometimes it's a challenge for us to lay down our own agendas and our own intentions and care about somebody. You know, but they, they may need it. You know, and sometimes we have to just be willing to step aside and say, this person's, you know, there's a funny, funny, funny way that God has about doing things. Uh, when we start caring to the things that he's called us to do, <laughs> his word says, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. He has this miraculous way of taking care of our needs when we start doing his business. So if you want to be, I've said this before up here, I think, if you want to be super effective, you take care of the things that God has called you to attend to. And trust in him, he will take care of your natural needs and the things that you probably would have spent all of your time doing and had no other time left for doing his things. So it's kind of like bang, more bang for your buck when you, you know, put your eggs in God's basket. That makes any sense. Anyway, so as I'm looking at these two lists, I kind of, in my heart, I just felt like the main issue that was being dealt with here was fulfillment. And I think sometimes as humans we can try to address a lot of superficial things and address, uh, what do you call that, like the symptom, but never really treat the underlying issue. And so it seemed like fulfillment was a huge part of what was going on, of why someone was able to give and give and give out of their abundance and someone else would need to take and take and take out of their lack. It seemed like fulfillment. And so... I was brought to the scripture of John chapter 4, 13 and 14. And Jesus was talking to, he was at a well and he was talking to a Samaritan lady who had come to pull water from the well. So he's contrasting the physical water from the well and the, wa the spiritual water that he offers. And he says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And so I brought this in first because I'm going to kind of refer back to this water in terms of the source that we're trying to acquire from in order to be, I guess, just good givers so we don't experience that burnout. You know, we can try a lot in our own efforts sometimes, but without good motivations and intentions behind our giving, the giving can often be dry, both for the receiver and for ourselves. And it just, it doesn't work out the way that God had really intended heartfelt, generous giving to be. And so I just wanted us to remember, um, we're really about trying to look at 
treat the illness, not just the symptoms. Okay, and so you hear throughout Scripture, Paul talk a lot about, you know, babes in the church, and he's really just drawing that spiritual contrast and the physical contrast of we're all born in our physical body and we're babies. And I think we can all agree that babies are pretty needy. You know, they have to be fed, they have to be changed, they have to, you know, be taken to bed. We have to transport them around, and it's like they're very dependent on us. Well, he's contrasting that to a spiritual sense of a believer when we're first saved. When we're first saved, or even before we're saved, we come to that spot where we've been allowed to recognize our sinful condition and our need for Jesus' salvation, for what he paid for us on the cross. And so just like a baby, we, are, we cannot do anything for ourselves at, our point, at that point. We can't pay for what Jesus paid for on the cross. He had to do it. So, I mean, that's like us as a babe. We honestly throw up our hands and say, please forgive us. And it's a free gift. God gave that to us. And so I'll kind of refer, these are things that I'm just outlining because when I refer back to them throughout the messages, I kind of want you to know where I'm coming from. And ultimately, as a parent, do you want that child to just remain a baby forever and you just are like, yes, I just love changing diapers and mixing these bottles and giving these baths. This is just what I am about. I want you to stay a baby forever. And it's, most times I don't necessarily hear that. I think it's more of like grow up and kind of like, I love you, come back you know, sometimes, but gosh. <laughs> and so I think it's, it's the same in the church. We can't just expect the elders and our pastors in the church to just be spoon-feeding us all the time. We have to eventually grow up from takers and receivers to become givers so that we can all play our part and every, every need will be met, okay? So we see in Matthew 10, verse 8, Jesus gives us this encouragement. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, curse the, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Remember on that first list, it said, internally driven by grace values, typically is more of a receiver. So I mean, to remember that what we receive from God, we ourselves couldn't purchase. It wasn't something that we could work for. Just like Andrew talked about, it was all received by faith. It was God's grace and gift to us. And so just in the same sense, when we give to other people, we're giving from that same mindset of we freely have received, therefore we freely are, have been filled and able to give back. And so it's... It's very clear that we need to respond to Jesus' call to be givers. And there's purpose behind giving. But I think when we, when we come to this spot where we have to ask ourselves, you know, am I willing to help? We might kind of have identified whether we tend to be more of a giver or a taker. But we still always have to ask ourselves in every situation, am I willing to help? Am I willing to be used with what Jesus has called me to do today? in this situation. And so in Matthew 25, verse 40, uh, Jesus is kind of talking about future judgment. And he says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus is just reminding us that because he was the one who took all of our places on the cross, 
He's standing in in every single one of our places. So when we're giving, when we're helping our neighbor, when we're giving and we're helping our family and our friends, we're really giving and helping Jesus himself. He stood in our place. And that's just what he's reminding us here. So it's, we can't undervalue even the small things that we can do for people when they're in need. Because Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, very clearly says, don't look out for your own interests, but take other interests and take interest in others too. I mean, that's just really going back to what Jesus is saying. You know, we can't, Pastor Matt has a way of saying it, and he says, when everyone does their part, every need will be met. And I think that's really just what Paul is trying to get across here is we all have to grow up as a church together so that way we can grow up and grow out into the world and affect this world and be effective because a baby can't do all the things that a full-grown person is required or responsible of doing. So, I mean, just as God has called us to do all these things, we have to be able to grow up to fill those positions. And so, as we go through, I'm going to talk more about givers. As I said, I saw more of an exhortation in Scripture to be a giver. Uh, God addresses the motivation of giving a lot. Not just giving itself, but our motive behind it. And so generosity giving whether we are going to get anything in return or not, and selfishness, giving and thinking God owes us something. So that's just kind of the contrast that I'm setting up in terms of black and white motives behind giving. But there's a statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and he's addressing religious leaders of the day. And he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so motives behind this, our motives in our giving are really going to determine what we receive from the giving. Now, it's again, we're not trying to give to get, But giving with good motives and the way that God had planned giving to be, it's just the way it happens. It's the way his law works. You drop a pencil and it's going to fall to the ground. That's how gravity works. And so when we we follow those motives, we can look to who we're going to be able to receive from. And I, I don't know about you, but I would rather receive from God than the richest man on earth. Just because I don't think I need to outline that one. But so our, our motive really determines who we are going to receive from. So just keep that in mind. Um, uh, examples of the two would maybe be the Good Samaritan. I have, most of you guys probably know the story. A uh, Jewish man was beaten and he was mugged. Uh, they took all his clothing. They left him on the side of the road, this band of thieves. And a couple religious uh, people of the day, a priest and a temple worker, Both of them at different times were walking down the street where the Jewish man was laying and kind of just moved over to the side of the road and then just, you know, kind of walked on the other side and just were like, I don't know if I got to get to the bank or whatever it was, but they were just like, I ain't about that business. I got to do other things. But this Samaritan came along and there was a cultural reference here, not really going to get into, but basically there wouldn't be any reason for this Samaritan to want to help this Jewish guy out. And But yet, he still saw his need, and out of his mercy and the kindness of his heart, he helped him. Picked him up, fixed him up, 
dealt with his wounds, gave him clothes, gave him food, took him to a nearby place to sleep where he could take rest, and he even paid the innkeeper. He said, here's, here's a couple bucks. This is going to take care for the guy for a little bit. When I come back through the town, I'll pay you the rest of whatever his tab is, but I just want you to take care of him. He just completely took care of that man's needs. So I think that example sets that he wasn't giving to get, but he was really giving with those uh, good motives. And then you can see Ananias and Sapphira. They were a wealthy couple back in the early church, and there was some really extravagant giving going on in the early church, and they wanted to be recognized or established as like the givers of the day. So they said, well, let's sell the big plot. They sold off a giant sum of their land, but their malicious intent was that they would tell everybody that they were actually giving the entire amount of the property. But really, they were only giving just enough so that they could be a top giver and retain some of that for themselves, but still be seen as really holy because they gave the whole thing. This was not seen or accommodated by God's judgment. They both ended up perishing because of that situation. Very unfortunate, but we can see the motives that were involved there and the outcome of the two situations. Um, but it's not just about... There is a value of giving, basically. So there's motives of giving, and there's a definite value that is outlined for giving in Scripture. And I just want us to remember that because I know that we can feel pressured to just give, 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 but there really is value for it if we can look at it through the context of Scripture, through what the Bible says about it. In Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, Jesus is standing with his disciples watching this collection going on. And while Jesus was at the temple, he watched the rich people dropping off their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. And so I think what I want to encourage you with here, what I feel like God's heart spoke to me was that don't listen to the lie that the enemy will tell you that your gift isn't good enough. Because God doesn't look at giving that same way. He values it from the stance of the heart. So don't listen to that when you say, what I have to give is not enough to do anything for this situation. That's bogus. And so, again, having, giving having value, it, it's good for the other people who receive it, but... Again, with those motives, it can be very good for us, and that's the way God intended it to be. So we see in Luke 11, verse 41, he says, So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. He was at a dinner with some Pharisees or religious leaders of the day, and they were getting on him about uh, a Jewish law that he had not quite abided by in terms of the cleansing practices that they followed to be clean before they would eat. And he goes right back in and says, so clean the inside by giving the gifts. Because he's saying, you're really careful to like do all these religious things and like tithe on every tiny little uh, amount that you increase. You're very good at praying and doing all these things. But in terms of the heart issue, as later he says, you know, you should do those things, pay the tithe, 
and pray and do those things, that's good, but don't underestimate or don't neglect the even better things. And he's talking about the issue of the heart. And when he says, so clean the inside, he was really talking about them as washing a cup. And I think what's so interesting about that is if you're going to, let's say, have a glass of water from me, Joan, and I was going to give you a cup, would you probably be more concerned on if the outside was dirty or if the inside was dirty? And so, I mean, the inside is actually where the water is that she's going to ingest. So, I mean, if we're only focused on cleaning up the outside of the cup, there's all, there could potentially still be all sorts of stuff up in there that we're going to be taking in. It's like what Tim was talking about earlier where he's like, when you don't take the time to reflect on what's going on here, you can sow judgment on yourself. It's just like, it doesn't do you much good. Yes, it looks good when the all crystal clear through the glass, but it's really the inside. That's the part where we drink out of. That's why it's so important that through the motives of our giving, Jesus sees and says, you can clean the inside with proper intent of giving. Um, in James 2.16, and one of them, if one of them says, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need for the body, what good is that? I just I threw that in there because I think a lot of times we can have good intent to help people out, but then in the long run, we don't actually come through. And just what was brought to my mind was the parable of the, the man who had the two sons and he wanted to, him to go out and work on the property, and the one son was like, yeah, dad, I'm all for it. Send me out there. I'm about it. And then he ends up not going, and then the other son was like, ah, dad, you know, I got some flag football, and I got a bunch of video games to catch up on. And he's like, I just don't think I can do it. But that son actually went out to tend to what the father had asked him to do. And Jesus had asked his disciples, you know, who fulfilled what the father asked? And it was the son who initially might have said no, but it was the actual doing that the son did. Our giving actually takes some effort on our part to fulfill it, to walk it out. It doesn't just happen, but it's still a choice for us to do. And... So that's kind of, I just want us to remember the motivation of give, our motivations, our intentions of giving, so what we can really allow God to do in our lives through proper giving, and the value that God has established for giving to help us, to benefit us, to complete us. And um, one, one thing that I'm going to say about taking uh, is the consequences of taking. And... I'm going to take out of Joshua 6, verse 18, and it says, Do not take any of these things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. This is talking about when Joshua led the people around the city of Jericho. Walls fall down, they're going to go in and plunder it, but there were things that God absolutely wanted destroyed, and he just said to the people, Don't be bringing them with you. Okay, and what was brought to my mind is... Um, the horrible yet beautiful picture that was painted on the cross by Jesus, he died for my sins and all of our sins. And it was really our sins that drove those nails into his hands and into his feet because it was the devil's way of trying to stop him from going with his feet and healing with his hands. You know, it was really the devil was trying to stop the ministry by nailing him to that cross. And so in our lives... 
when, we, when we're doing those things that God has called us to stay away from, we're really allowing the devil to drive those nails back into us and pin us back. Our sin is going to hold us down. Those things that God has called us to stay far from will hinder the ministry that he has called us to fulfill. So it's really just a warning that there are consequences of stepping outside and taking with that malicious intent or the improper motives. Um, and finally, in Luke 13, verses 7 through 9, um, this is just the final exhortation that I want to give to everybody. This is just a parable that Jesus had told. He said, Finally, he said to his gardener, I have waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. I really only wanted to use this passage of Scripture to say, every single person in your life is represented by this fig tree. They might not be producing fruit right now, but they have the potential to. And if you as the gardener can just see the potential of that tree and just say, I'm going to give just a little bit of effort to try to help this person fulfill what God has called them to do. Because it not only benefits that person, it benefits all of us around us. We all need to be, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if we can just acknowledge that people have gifts and talents and abilities that God has called them to use to fulfill their mission here, and we might take a little bit more initiative in trying to help them cultivate and utilize those, strengthen those gifts so that we as a body of believers do our job at reaching the world for Jesus, spreading that gospel message. And so I just want us to remember the motivation of our giving, always be willing to look inside and check our motives. It's good to give but without right motives, we aren't, we're hindering ourselves from receiving the full blessings that God has available for us through the giving. To remember that there is a true value in giving, not just for others, but for ourselves, for the glory of God, for the glory of the church. And the consequences of taking outside of what God has said, leave that down. It's only going to burden you. Um, Sometimes things can be useful in a certain season, but then at other seasons, God will call you to lay them down. One example he showed me once was a refrigerator. Refrigerator has an excellent use as I live in my apartment today on a day-in and day-out basis. But if I were to go and try to travel across the desert and take that fridge with me, that would be the biggest burden, useless. It's completely useless. So we just have to be willing to listen about what God has put in our lives, what tools we're using now, and what tools we're supposed to lay down for this next season. We just have to be willing to listen to God to help us do what he has effectively called us to do. But, so really, there is hope. It's not something that we were able to pay for, but God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay that way so that we could be with him in eternity. And that's not something that we could pay for. It's something that Jesus freely gave of himself so that it could be established for us to receive it. And so if there's anyone here who has never 
had that opportunity to receive what Jesus died for, what he paid for, for that forgiveness, for that atoning just sense of clean inside the cup where we're actually drinking from. If we've never had that opportunity to receive him as our Lord, I just want to extend that to you now. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just ask if there's anyone out there that you're feeling that stir in your heart, that you say, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I've ever received what Jesus had for me. I never really accepted it. I never really was able to repent. I just encourage you to raise your hand this morning. And I would just like to pray with you. I would like to just be able to lead you in a prayer to meet with Jesus this morning. And I just ask that everyone else would pray along with me and those who raise their hands that, we would, that you would just join me in this prayer. So if you would just repeat after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ, your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior and follow him as Lord. From this day forward, guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.